A wonderful good morning to all of you. Welcome back to a wonderful session that God has given to us again to understand more of our future, more of what God has prepared for those who love him. We want to begin uh, reading the word of God today. And uh, I want to take you to the book of Job. The book of Job. The Bible reads in this uh, uh, passage in Job chapter 40, verse 6. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's? And can your voice thunder like this? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and close yourself in honor and majesty. Now that's a challenge, isn't it? Later on, God says, if you do all of these things, which he tells him, then I will, then I will accept that you, are, that you become righteous out of your own strength. Of course, that is not possible. Then let me take you to Psalm chapter 8 and verse 3. Psalms 8 verse 3. The Bible reads here, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You, have, you made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Today I have uh, entitled my subject, No Longer Beyond the, scape, the Scope of Man. When I started, first I said beyond the scope of man, but when I finished, I changed it and I put there, no longer. Okay, what that means, you'll come to find out. Okay, there are certain things that are beyond the scope of every human being, of all of us. But what was beyond us, that, was God, what, that is what God made possible through Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. And we want to take time to study the word today in this regard. So let us pray as we begin. Uh, let us look up to the Lord and let us ask him to give us an open mind, an open heart to understand what God is saying to us today. Lord our God, we want to thank you so much that you have come to be among us. Wherever your word is being proclaimed, you are in our midst. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we do not live by the food of this world alone, the bread alone, but we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And today, Lord, we want to receive nourishment. We want to receive substance from the word of the Lord, which is going to build us, which is going to strengthen us, which is going to make us what you want us to be, not only for time, but for eternity. So Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your very own presence. And we pray, Lord, that you touch our hearts and lives, that you transform us so that we can reflect your nature. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now what we see in scripture is that God is holy, adorned with glory and honor. And time and again we read, you know, that there are all these things that God carries in himself. He was not given by anybody, that is just who he is. And I think it's important for us to take a moment to understand the greatness of our God. You know, when, when God speaks about God is a God of glory and honor and splendor and righteousness, you know, uh, it, it's very interesting that uh, we see things that are physically, seemingly 
controversial, uh, you know, co uh, against each other. You know, the, the word glory means weight or weightiness, heaviness. And it talks about the substance of God. I talked about that in the past. And the, the, the next uh, thing when God says that he is adorned with glory and honor, honor means to be lifted up. Now, these, things, these two things are looking like being against each other. You know, heaviness is always going down, isn't it? It's always uh, reaching uh, the ground. And the things that are heavy, you know, very, very heavy, you can't lift, okay? And yet, God says that God is a God of glory and honor. He is heavy with substance. You know, he is glorious in every being. You know, everything of God, everything is, in, is, is, is full of, 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 of substance that comes from who God is. But at the same time, he is lifted up. Okay, so he's neither down nor is he up, he is both. Okay, and when you are down, you know, don't, don't forget God wants to lift you up. When you are up, don't, rem don't forget that you need to humble yourself so that you also come down. So God is doing things in ways that we cannot understand. Now let me read a, a passage of scriptures just to give us a better understanding of who God is. The trouble that we have is that most people have no clue about the, the magnificence of our God, okay? Much has been said, much has been written, much is thought about. Many people think today, you know, God, we don't need him anymore. But they have no clue who God really is. And, and so let me read you this passage of scripture from the book of Revelation, chapter four and verse six. And Revelation is, a, is a, an ability to see into the future that we normally cannot see, okay? God gives us revelation. <coughs> he gives us the ability to see because he's uncovering certain things for us to understand that better. So Revelation 4 verse 6, is, it says, and also before the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass. And they were covered with eyes in front and in the back. Okay, already there are things that we cannot understand, okay? There are creatures covered with eyes all over, okay? The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third was, had a face like a, a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Now, this is a picture that is being used even in the Old Testament time to describe the nature of Christ. You know, the four Gospels are actually giving us an insight of all these four different natures. There is Isaiah, uh, Matthew, which portrays Jesus as the Messiah, as the King of Kings. There is uh, um, Mark, who, you know, explains Christ as a servant or as the ox, the one who is doing the job. There is Luke that explains Christ as the son of man. And then there is John who gives us an insight about the son of God. So we must understand there is so much depth in that that we may not fully uh, understand because it is so, so wide and so great. Okay, so this four creatures, these living creatures, they were in the presence of the throne of God. And the Bible says, each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with the eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay down their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, 
our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Now, there are a lot of elements here that I do not have time today to all uh, interpret, but what we, what we must just understand is that when we look into the presence of uh, uh, the living God, you know, if ever we can even say that because we're we, we just getting a little bit of, a, of an insight. We may not understand all the dimensions really here, okay? You can see that what God is expressing is really scaled down for us to, to think about, to meditate about, to, to, to learn more about God, okay? And so God gives us a little insight about his eternal nature, about his holiness, about his righteousness. And as you can see, that God is being adorned, is being worshipped, because he is worthy of all worship. Even the elders who have crowns on their heads, they lay down their crowns because even those crowns which they received were received by the grace and by the mercy of God. So whatever you and I have, you know, it can never compare with the nature and the, the splendor of our God. And so we want to just... Uh, understand that God is far beyond what we as human beings can, can capture, okay? So scripture is trying to, or let me say scripture is not trying, but scripture is uh, bringing to us nuggets of eternity, okay? He brings to us, now we cannot understand everything, that's why God always gives us you know, an excerpt gives us, you know, an insight. But there's no way that we can understand everything about God. Okay, God is the one who created the heavens and the earth, who created every single one of us. You know, the Bible says that before the foundation of the world, he created us in his own image and in his likeness. He planned for us. He planned for our glory. He planned for our honor. But then, you know, what God in, did in eternity before the foundation of the world is too large, is too huge to fit into our brain. We must understand that, okay? No matter how much we widen our capacity, our ability to learn more, and we should, you know, we should learn more, more about the things of God, more about the things of academia, you know, it's very important to go. We will never come to the level where we can say, now I've understood. Okay? Now I know who God is. We just cannot. That is just beyond us. And that's why God has given us this book, the scriptures, the word that proceeds from the mouth of God, because we live by that word. We learn by this word. We understand through this word. We are going to be through this word what God wants us to be. We are being transformed from who we used to be when we were still in sin and in the world to who God wants us to be. And he brings us into destiny through his word. That's why the word of God is so crucial, so important to all of us. So God is beyond our grasp beyond our imagination, beyond our understanding. Limited, I mean, the creation, the creation that God made is a limited set of what God has made, okay? Because there are things that we cannot understand. If you just look at the universe itself, you know, it is too vast for man to ever fully understand, to ever fully grasp. No human being can ever go to the edge of the universe and find out what comes beyond. Not possible, okay? So, the creation that God made is a limited set of what God decided to do at that particular time, and he will continue finishing his work that he decided to do to accomplish. 
But of course, we must understand that God is far beyond that. And, you know, he will always be beyond us. But then, you know, what is great is that he will nourish us from eternity. Because the river of love, the river of full of splendor and majesty. And that's our nourishment, you know. That's why Jesus repeated the word in the Old Testament that man does not live by bread alone. You know, bread, you need every new day, you need food, okay. But then there is a food that is from above, proceeding from God, that is far more important than the food of this world. So this river of God's nourishment, of God's love, of God's goodness and kindness will never run dry. It will always nourish his family while we are here in this earth and even when finally we are going to be in the presence of God Almighty. That's amazing. Amen? Now, flesh and blood can never achieve glory and honor. Okay? What God lives in, what God you know, calls his own is very foreign to us. Even so, you know, at one time, we were meant to live in that and we were given that glory and that honor as well. Let me take you one back to what we read in the beginning. Psalm 8 verse 3 says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? You can see that God attached amazing importance to you and me, to mankind. We are made in the image and likeness of God. Only us. No matter where we are in this world, nations from different tribes, human beings. We may be coming from different regions, from different nations, from different tribes. Uh, we may speak many different languages, but we are all the human beings that God loves, that God has created in his own image and likeness. And you know, like we have discovered uh, in the past, God is a God of variety. God loves variety. God loves us to be different, okay? You know, we human beings, we always want to make things same, 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 same. You know, that's why some people uh, have invented uniforms. Okay, so that everybody looks alike. Have you noticed? Everybody should be exactly like the other. And I thank God that God has not uniformed me, <laughs> but God made me as an individual uniquely created to display the very portion that God has given to me so that I can display it to the world around me, okay? And I'm not accepting to be uniformed in any way, okay? That's why you don't see me walking around with a collar or with a, with a certain clothes of a certain color, okay? I don't believe in these things. I don't believe in these uniforms. In fact, they are completely contrary to the Word of God. If you want to say this is word of God, then you have to go to the Old Testament, which of course was superseded by the new. And you know, God made us uniquely different. You know, what makes us human beings to be wanting always be the same? Okay? What makes us to look down on somebody of a different tribe or different family or different nation of a different color of the skin? Why? Because God made all of us. You know, look at, look at these flowers here. Are they all one color? You know, these, these flowers, these roses, they are so beautiful because they are giving us different arrays of colors. You know, all of them are bringing out something unique, something special. And that's exactly the same with you and me, okay? That's why God, when he creates, he creates always things with a manifold, you know, wits in order to portray more of himself. Okay, imagine how many different 
types of creatures our world has. God didn't, nobody forced God to make things the way he did. But he enjoyed to express his greatness through all that he has created. And so you must understand that God enjoyed to make you the way you are. Okay, so don't think you are less or more than somebody else. You are just given that portion to display to the world around you that God has chosen for you to carry. Isn't that powerful? So all of us are of equal importance to God. Okay? Even if, you know, some of us have been given more talents than the others, but then God is not looking at whether there is more or less. God is just looking, what are we going to do with what he has given to us? Will we be faithful with what he has, you know, laid into our lives, into our hearts? God designed us, okay? The Bible tells us about the body, okay? And in the body, there are so many different members. Some are visible, some are invisible. Some need to be honored, okay? Some are not so... Uh, not so honored, others are honored, okay? And the Bible says, you know, the, the, the members of our body that are not honored, we honor them. That's why, you know, ladies put uh, earrings on their ears. <laughs> because otherwise our ears are, you know, just like that, okay? But, but of course, you need your, your ears, isn't it? So, you know, there are a lot of things that we could say in this regard. But what is important is that all of us, we are displaying the nature of God. None of us can display the nature of God alone. We need to be together to display the nature of God. That's why, you know, God loves us to be together. That's why God puts us together in fellowship, in families, so that we display more of the nature of God. Because every one of us has got a reflection to give to this world of who God is. Now, flesh and blood cannot achieve and accomplish seeing that God, you know, gave us how uh, glory and honor. He crowned us with glory and honor. But somehow, we lost it. We lost it because we went our own ways, we believed the lies of the enemies, and we lost what we have. So we must understand that now flesh and blood can never achieve the height to which God has called us. And of course, one would say, then what's the purpose? How can we, how can we then live meaningfully if we cannot achieve? But the good thing is we can, okay? Not by our strengths, but as I will show you through the work of the Lord our God. Now, because we are fallen and uh, flesh and blood can never achieve the glory and the holiness of God, you know, we need to be humble and understand what is God saying to us. You know, Job went through a lot of suffering. And if you have never read the book of Job, please do so. It's a hard book. It's not an easy to understandable book, okay? And, and you may ask yourself, why? 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 You know, because Job had a good life was a blessed man. He was living a seemingly perfect life. And then all of a sudden, he lost the situation he had, and he went into a, a, a situation of suffering, of temptation, and, and, and he couldn't make sense of it. He didn't understand why is it that I have to go through this situation. And you know, even today, you may ask yourself, why is it that, you know, we have to go through so many hardships and challenges in this world? You know, your, your television may bring pictures of war and destruction, and we may wonder, why is it, okay? And why does it not come to an end? Why does it not stop? Well, you know, we are human beings. God has given us this world to take care of, to administer it. And we are responsible. You know, he will only come in if we come to him in prayer and say, God, 
You have given me responsibility. I will, I will want you to be coming in. That's what prayer is all about, okay? Prayer is not trying to twist the arm of God. Actually, prayer is giving God permission to do something in your life. Okay, that's why prayer is important. Because remember, God has given this world in the hands of man, and man actually squandered what God had given to him, and now it is in the hand of Satan. Unless, of course, you are in Christ, then it's a different story. That's why prayer gives God permission to do his work in our lives. Now, when you go through the book of Job, you will find all these arguments. You know, Job cannot understand why he is in the situation that he is. He, he tried to live a right life, a holy life. You know, he did everything possible that he knew to do. And so he was... He was wondering, why did God allow me to go into a situation like this? And of course, his friends come to, 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 to comfort him, but very soon, you know, from the comfort, there became a teaching that was not very helpful, okay? Because eventually, they were, they were questioning him. They were saying, there must be something wrong with you for you to be in that trouble. And haven't we all thought so, you know? Haven't we seen people who are suffering and you wonder, what have these people done? You know, what has this guy done? But you must understand that God has got a different way of working. He's not doing things the way we think. Remember there was this, this uh, man who was sick, was blind, and from, from birth, and, and, and the disciples were wondering, who has sinned here? Was it him? Or the parents, okay? Now, since he was, you know, blind from birth, of course, they concluded it must be, it must be the parents who have sinned. So, you know, it was a result of uh, something wrong they have done. And, and Jesus told them, well, you are totally wrong. You don't understand. It has got something to do with God establishing his glory in the life of this person, okay? So if you suffer today... <clears throat> You give God a chance to establish his glory in your life. Okay, don't, don't be afraid. Don't try to point fingers, no, this one. And you know, very easy, that is what we do when something does not work out very in our lives. We always try to find somebody who we can blame, isn't it? Even if it's ourselves to blame, we always try to push the blame to somebody else. See, see like uh, what Adam did. Adam put the blame, you know, to Eve. Eve put the blame to the serpent. But meanwhile, you know, all of them were guilty. That's the human nature. We want to push the blame to somebody else. But we need to really stand before God, understand God more and deeper in our life, and find out, Lord, what is it that you desire to accomplish in my life? Because that is what really is important at the end of the day. You know, why am I here? What is the purpose that I'm walking on the ground of this earth? Why, why am I still breathing? What is it that you want me to accomplish in my life? These are the questions that we should ask. Now, God was speaking finally to Job. You know, after all the walking in the dark, all the ideas that were that were put forward and, and, and that were contested by the different members of this little group who were together trying to make sense of it all. At the end of the day, they were just like blind men trying to find a way out. Finally, God came and spoke. And when God spoke, Job said, it was like me hearing you know, a sound from somewhere, but now my eyes have seen. Now I understand. So, in other words, he came to a greater understanding, a greater knowledge of the living God. And you know, that's what God wants us to accomplish and achieve, that we come to a greater understanding and knowledge of God. So God was asking Job, would you discredit my justice? Okay, we, we think in our own way of justice and we think 
Why is God not coming in? Why is God not doing something about this? Why is God not stopping the evil ones? Okay? And very interestingly, you know, God is uh, uh, coming to, to speak to, to Job. And let me just read this maybe in its entirety because it gives us an idea of what God is, is trying to communicate. So God says, brace yourself like a man. I will question you and, I shall answer, and you shall answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? You know, it's a very common thing that people do in this world. They always try to justify themselves and then they have to condemn somebody else as a result of that. And that's what the people around uh, job where we're trying to do. Then he says, do you have an arm like God's? And can your voice thunder like this? I wonder what kind of voice God spoke to uh, Job with, because he says, can you have a voice that thunders like mine? Okay. Then adorn yourself with glory, because that's how God is. So if you really have all the answers, if you really know who, you know, uh, uh, how God is, then, then why don't you close yourself with glory and honor, majesty and splendor? And he says, unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at all who are proud and bring them low. Look at all who are proud and humble them. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in the dust together. Should their faces, shroud their faces in the grave. Then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. Then I will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. Of course, all this is impossible for man. You know, we cannot. Of course, you know, in the concept of Job and his friends, which was so limited, they says, okay, somebody must be guilty. Okay, so... If you are righteous, then the other one must be unrighteous. So, otherwise you put the blame on God so that you can be going scot-free. But of course, that is very far from the truth. And so God is just, you know, giving these questions to, to make people think. And, and this is what we really should. We should really think, what is this all about that God is saying? Now, let me quickly go back to uh, the things that I want to communicate with you today. Man can never discover God's reasons for his work. You can never discover why God made you and made you the way you are. Okay, there's a, bit, a bigger purpose behind all that, that that you and I cannot understand. Okay, we do not know what made God to come up with the idea of creating this world with the idea of creating such a vast universe and then have a speck within that universe called us where human beings should live. And no wonder did uh, David say, what is man that you remember him? You know, what is man that you, that you make him so important that you crown him with glory and honor? What is man? Amazing. You know, that again shows us the importance of each and every one of us. We can only stand in awe and wonder and adore him far beyond our understanding. You know, when we worship him, it's not because we understand who he is. We worship because we, we, are, we admire, we see his greatness. We cannot fully understand it, but we see who he is. We experience his love. And that's why we adore him. That's why we worship him. It should be again. Okay? God was giving man glory and honor when he created him. But sin destroyed it. Sin crushed the destiny of man. And we, we exchanged the destiny with God with the destiny of darkness of evil. But then God created us 
The Bible says we were created by him, through him, and for him. Okay? Nothing of our own nature, nothing of our own making is there. So that we fulfill the purpose that God has with his creation. We are to be the sons of the Most High. And God has a beautiful plan that comes into fulfillment as we are passing on further and further. Man was always destined to share God's glory and honor. In, in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, we see that very, very clearly. Okay? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. It says, These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even so refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So whatever God does, it must result in praise, glory, and honor in your life and in my life. Amen? That is the destiny to which God guides us. So God has no other purpose but to bring us into his destiny that we cannot fully describe. Okay, so we are called to be part of his family, part of his inheritance. Let me just read a few more verses here. You know, let me go back to verse from verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fate, kept for you in heaven. Okay? You can't understand it. I cannot understand it. We can just read it and say, God, I believe it. Okay? You can only capture it by faith. And remember, faith, hope, and love, these are the three things that remain forever. Okay? So God speaks about an inheritance that he has prepared for us that can never perish, that will never spoil, that can never fade away, and it's kept for each and every one of us safely in the presence of God. Wow. Through faith, who through faith shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, we greatly rejoice. So now, for a little while, we may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And that's where we get stuck usually. You know, this little while, eh? little while. <laughs> you know, if you compare eternity with our short life, it's a little while. Eh? And if you are comparing your life with the times of trials and troubles and uh, battles that you are facing, it's even a smaller little while, okay? And yet sometimes we get so stuck in the little while. But don't forget, something powerful, something great that God has prepared for all of us who love him. Okay? Yes, we are suffering grief in all kinds of trial for a little while. And then there come these words which I've read earlier on. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, and gold, of course, perishes even so refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor. So even the suffering <clears throat> that you pass through will result in glory in your life. Okay? But out of here, this is too hot. I'm boiling, I'm dying. And many times that's what we are saying to God. Take me out of this situation. But you know, we are in that situation until a certain purpose is accomplished. Until God has achieved what he wants to achieve. So don't tell God what he should do or not do. But just receive everything with thanksgiving from the, from the hands of God. Maybe you can even shorten the suffering when you receive everything from the hand of God with thanksgiving. Okay? Rather than complaining and murmuring. You know, a good example are the people of Israel who were ever complaining when they were coming out of Egypt into the promised land. If they would have not complained constantly, 
if they would not have, you know, uh, ever uh, opposed the leadership of their, of their God-given leader Moses and, and questioned God, they would have been able to arrive much, much earlier. In fact, some of them never even arrived, but they would have arrived if they would have lived by faith. And the Bible tells us that these things are written for our, for our good, okay? These are lessons for us that we must learn so that we are not making the same mistake. So let's not question God, but let's say, God, say, God, I, I, I can't change what I'm going through, but I receive it with thanksgiving because I know you are doing something in my life that will result in glory and honor and splendor and praise. Amen? That's faith. Okay, that's faith. And remember, faith will be credited to us as righteousness, like we are seeing in the life of Abraham. Man fell into the hands of an imposter, of an evil one, this Satan, who led us astray, who separated us from what God really wanted us to enjoy. We all know that. And it requires another man, okay, to release us from that. And the Bible explains us uh, in the book of Hebrews, the scripture that we find in the book of Psalms, with uh, splendor, with honor, and, and, and all the wonderful things, with glory. And, and Hebrews explains to us, in chapter 2, verse 5, the Bible says, It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, and this is now the quote from the book of Psalms, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor. You put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing. God left, left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet, at present, we do not see everything subject to him. Okay? That is talking about man, mankind. Not everything is subject to us because we lost the glory and the honor of God. We lost the splendor of God. We lost the purpose of God in our life. But then he says, but we see Jesus. Okay? What was not possible to keep going in the life of mankind in general because sin came in, it came to be fulfilled in the life of Christ, the Son of Man. Okay? And he says, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Praise God. So we see Jesus. Okay, we keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We see Jesus in glory and honor. Okay, the very glory and honor that was supposed to be on us human beings is on Christ eternally. Isn't that powerful? And praise God, he's not just keeping it to himself. He is going to share it with you and me. He is going to lift us up to the very level where God wants us to be. So it required the son of man. Okay, interestingly, God speaks about that here. You know, he says... Uh, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Okay, why does God sing loud the son of man? Because we, we know that this is a pointing to Christ, our Lord and Savior. And this is what Hebrews tells us. You know, right now, the world is not subject to mankind the way God had intended it to be. But we see Jesus. And we see Jesus adorned with glory and honor. And that glory and honor is meant for every single one of us. You know, God is going to share his inheritance with every single one of us. So God alone was the one who dealt with our shortcomings, with our sin. 
Romans chapter 2 verse 5 says, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant hearts, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Okay? But if we are no longer unrepentant, if we are no longer stubborn, then something else can happen. The Bible says God will give it to each person according to what he has done. Those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. Praise God. Available through the work of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. You know, he opened the door. He opened that curtain, you know, that was blocking us from coming into the presence of God. And now everybody can walk in and have fellowship with the living God. But those who are self-seeking and who reject truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. Doing good means accept Christ, the gift of God. And God wants to do good to each and every single one of us. So God's plan will come to its complete fulfillment. God didn't plan something that he cannot accomplish. Okay, every now and then you see people have got ideas and they're trying to pursue their ideas with great power, with great, you know, uh, pressure and, 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 and spend a lot of money on these things. And at the end of the day, it doesn't work out. Okay? We are seeing uh, on the horizon, on the scene of uh, this world right now, you know, one nation attacking another nation, and they had a plan to run over this nation, and of course it didn't work out. Okay? Because God is greater, you know? You cannot just do something because you want to do it. God has always a greater plan. You know, if you go into history, you find out that there were always such wicked people who don't care for the lives of others, who just do what they think is right. And I, I don't understand. I, don't, I wonder why these people are not reading history. Because history would teach you that whatever you have uh, tried to accomplish, you know, I mean, look at the, uh, Adolf Hitler. You know, he wanted to expand his... his, his, his uh, uh, influence to many other nations and uh, of course a few years later he committed suicide because it didn't work out okay the same man who is doing this thing today watch him God will bring him down okay watch him God is God God is on the throne people who are you know having their madness which the devil injects into their, into their mind they will never last you know, the Bible talks about stubbornness and unrepentant hearts. And the result of that is very clear. It's disaster. But when we repent on our behalf, and that's what he desires, that's what he, what he looks forward to do in each and every one of our lives. God is full of mercy, full of grace. You know, anybody who comes to him and asks for forgiveness, he will forgive. You know, Paul, at one time, he calls himself as the worst of sinners because he even pursued, persecuted the very people God had saved. And he did it because he thought he would do God a favor. You know, there are such people today in the world, they think they will do God a favor by doing what they are doing. <clears throat> Just because we have such little minds, just because we have such little understanding about the nature of God, we think we can do God a favor. In fact, you know, we see people all over, all over the world declaring God said, and they want to be the voice of God in this world. And, and, and yet, it is not according to scripture that they are speaking. They are speaking their own mind. They are speaking their own desires. And, and, and God said in the Old Testament several times, 
Don't listen to them. I've not sent them. They're using my, my name in vain. And one of the first commandments is that we should not use the name of God in vain. Amen? So don't come in the name of God if God has not sent you. Your, your purpose will crush sooner than you can imagine. So let's understand God is busy working things out in our life. Justice and justice are the pillars of God's throne. And justice is for us, but we can only receive it and accomplish that justice and righteousness of God through Jesus Christ our Lord, not through our ability, not through the muscles of our, of our body, you know, through flesh, flesh and blood, it can never be done. But it can be done, it can be achieved through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the work that Christ has done for each and every one of us. So God wants us to that we receive glory and honor by his grace. Okay? That is your destiny, the glory of God, the honor of God. Okay? We, we need to reflect the nature of God, to be in the presence of God, and to be in the family of God. That's what God desires for all of us. All eternal achievements are worked out by God's grace through the word of God. Okay? God doesn't have tanks. God doesn't have uh, ammunition. God doesn't have uh, fighter planes. God doesn't need all that. Okay? In fact, look at Jesus. He never fought anybody. And when he fought the devil, actually, if you would have watched from a difference, you would have said there was no fight. But there was a fight. Okay? But it was on a different level. It was on a spiritual level. When Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written, consecutively, that's how Jesus won the battle against Satan. And that's how you can win the battle against every temptation that comes to you. You know, we must learn what Jesus confessed. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Praise God. All we need is to activate the faith that God has given us ability to have. Because, you know, God has given each and every one the ability to believe in Christ. If you do it, praise God. If you don't do it, it's not God's fault. He made us capable to receive salvation that has come through God's gift. Now let me take you to a scripture in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. The Bible says here, For we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Okay, this is Peter. Peter, the, one, of the, one of the disciples as we know him, the one who was always was very important, just like you are important, just like John was important, just like all the other disciples had their calling in God, okay? So Peter says, we are not telling you stories. We tell you things, and we have been eyewitnesses of what we are bringing to you. This is powerful, okay? In a court of law, you know, it will not be permissible to give evidence that you have not seen yourself. I think I told you some time ago, you know, one time, I witnessed uh, an accident. In fact, it happened just next to me, okay? And uh, when uh, the police came, the police officers came, they said, all of you need to be here. You don't go anywhere until we have been able to uh, question you and find out what happened. And so they asked different people, and then they came to me and says, okay, uh, tell us, what have you, what is your story? And I told them, oh, I, I, I was just, walking like this, and I heard a bang here. And uh, I looked around, and these two guys were, had hit each other, okay? 
He says, we don't need you. You are a bank witness. You have not seen it. Okay? So they released me because I did not see. You know, I heard it, but I did not see it. You guys get my point? So I, 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 I heard there was a bank, but I don't know who of the two guys were wrong. Who, who went into the other, people's, the, other, the other car's lane. I didn't know that. Okay? I just heard a bang. And most of us who were walking there were actually released because we were just bang witnesses. Okay? They were only interested in the people, and there were only about four or five, the people who had actually seen how this thing came to happen. Okay? These were eyewitnesses. And, you know, Peter tells us, we are not telling you empty stories. We, we are people who have been there. We were on the mountain with Christ. And what we see, what we have seen and heard, that is what we tell you. So we have got very solid witnesses. We okay. not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from the Father when the voice came from, to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Okay? There were witnesses, the eyewitnesses when God the Father gave his son glory and honor. Okay? When they were turning around, you know, they were falling like dead when they were seeing what was going on. And after they finally came back to themselves, they said, hey, we better remain here. You know, this is, this is glorious. This is wonderful. This is where we should remain forever. Okay? And of course, you know, one day we'll be in the glory and the splendor of God forever. So, Paul tells us that this is what, what God has prepared for us as well. You know, he gave it to his son, Jesus Christ. But remember, God has called us to be sons of God. You know, everyone who believes is called to be a child of the living God. That means if you're a child, you are going to grow into sonship. Okay, and you know, when God uses the word sonship, it has nothing to do with gender, it has something to do with position. Okay, uh, a, a son is somebody who has grown up. Okay, he's no longer a baby, he's no longer a child. You know, the Bible uses that, these different terms at different times. You know, uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews, adults, but you are still the people who are uh, receiving that letter and says, I wish I could speak to you like adults, but you are still babies in Christ. Okay. So, yes, we are born as babies. Of course, all of us have, isn't it? And uh, if you're trying to reason with a baby, you won't get anywhere because a baby can't reason, okay? But eventually, we'll be children. And with children, we can talk. With children, we can be able to discuss issues. And children, we can teach. And children are very, very fast in, in capturing the concepts that we teach them. That's why when we send children to school, they are very fast learners. You know, when you're sending somebody who is old to school, it will take time to learn. Okay? But children are easy. But then, you know, God wants us to teach from childhood into adulthood. And we are called to be sons of the living God. So, Peter says, we ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven. And when we were with him, when we were with him on the sacred mountain, and we have the word of the prophets made more certain to you, and you do well to pay attention to it, as to a, slide, to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Praise God. So God makes his light rise in our lives, in our hearts. God is doing amazing, magnificent things in each and every one of us. The, the gift of God's righteousness is to make us completely perfect in the eyes of God. Okay? We cannot make ourselves perfect. It's never possible. We always have shortcomings. But God does that. But we can only receive all that by the face in the one who is righteous, who is holy, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we are beneficiaries 
of Christ. Okay, we are no longer servants, but we are sons. And when we are sons, we are also joint heirs with Christ. So whatever we see the father was giving to Christ, his son, he will also give to us because we are joint heirs with him. So what was beyond our scope is no longer beyond our scope. It's beyond our flesh and blood, but it's not beyond Christ who has laid down his life as a sacrifice for all of us. So let us understand when the Bible has decided okay and when the Bible decides when, when God decides something the Bible says he will never have a regret about what he is giving us what he has said okay he has decided that we should be adorned with glory and honor just like God himself that's amazing okay God wants us to experience the greatness, the majesty of God in our own lives. Okay, while we are in this body, we may only get a portion of it, a small part of it. But there comes a time when we enter into the wide space that God has prepared for all of us. In Revelation 5.11, the Bible says, Then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels, thousands, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They sang mercy and strength and honor and glory and praise. Wow. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. You know, what we are reading here as a as a revelation of God, giving us a little insight, a glimpse of God, that is one day we'll be there. We'll experience that. We'll be sharing the glory and the honor, the majesty and the splendor of God in our own life. That's what God has created us for. Nothing less than holiness. Okay, nothing less will ever do. And let me tell you, God has done all of this for every single one of us. Let us pray. Our God, you are so amazing, so far beyond our human understanding. Take our time to adore you. Take our time to ad admire who you are. Lord, in all your greatness, in all your majesty, you are not too great to remember even the least of us. You have never neglected any one of us who you have made in your image and in your likeness. And Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for this wonderful privilege that we can be your people, that we can be your family, that we can be able to walk in the very past that you have created for us. You have told us that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. So thank you, Lord, that we, can, that we can walk that path, that way that Jesus has prepared for us, that he is for us. So Lord Jesus, 
We want to worship you. We want to adore you. We want to lift you up. We want to honor you. Lord, you are glorious. You are wonderful. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that one day we'll be able to share all this with you when we enter into your kingdom in eternity. Lord, as we are still in this world and still going through suffering for this little while, as we are still here in this earth, on this earth, give us the ability to keep our eyes fixed upon the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, let us run the race so that we will win at the end of the day. Let us not get bogged down by the negative things that are happening around us, but Lord, let us keep our faith in you, the Almighty. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that we are already called into your presence, that we are already called children of the Most High God, that we are challenged to grow into sonship, that we are able to carry the inheritance of God in our lives. Lord, we are amazed about these revelations that you give to us, about yourself, about your work, and about who we shall be according to your perfect plan. To be with you on your throne forever and ever. So Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We adore you. And everyone say, Amen. Amen.